podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. Monday Night Football, late kickoff. I'm not usually a big fan of them, but you know what? The Reds turned up. An actual performance and a result away from home against the relegation side. Thank you very much. It finished 6-1. It was a goal fest. It was uh, fun and entertaining. Um, and joining me on this podcast, I have two incredible guests who are going to talk about this result and the performance. And they were just going to create some really, really positive vibes for you, the listener, and for me as well. And hopefully we should have some callers as well. If not, these two will suffice. Um, first up, joining us on the podcast, it's Steve. Steve, welcome back. We did a win, again. <laughs> I know, we, 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 I, will not, I will not make comments on your sarky remarks at the beginning of the first half, I might add, at the beginning of the first half. But Steve, it's a pleasure having you on. And joining Steve on the podcast, again, it's a familiar voice on the Nina Kazza show, a familiar voice on the EPL Index, host of the Tad Predictable, host of the Tad Predictable podcast, if I can just get my teeth in right there, it is Tadiva. Tadiva, welcome back. What a game to come back on to. Uh, we may not have played well this season, but there are certain games you can pick out where we've just absolutely bullied teams, and, and that was fun to see. See, talk about that. Okay, so it finished six one. It's actually a good discussion discussion to have, right? So, one thing that I've kind of noticed is that the, when Liverpool drop a performance, it's normally a big goal fest, right? You know, like so. You know, the result at Bournemouth, the Manchester United. You know, certain certain results really really stick out for you. And this one as well, and the BFU. But I always get really concerned as a Liverpool sport. I know our strikers are coming back and the bench looks really healthy. But I want to get your thoughts. Does it? Do you find it concerning this season? I talk about this season in particular that Liverpool t- tend to get all their goals in certain games, and then we go on a bit of a drought. I I think maybe it's more to do with if you're not going for you know multiple trophies, or maybe you're not in the title race. For example, this game you probably ended at three nil, so to speak, or three one. And you coast because you need to prepare for the next game, so it is. But you, you drop into third gear, save the legs a bit. But at the moment, um, because those good results uh, are coming few, so few and far between, I think the players just see it as a, a frustration dump where they just get to get in there and just go and go and go. And they don't have to um, revert back to third gear or second gear and sort of manage the game out. They just... When we get the, you know, when we get the ascendancy, go and punish the teams. And hopefully playing like that will play you out of the funk that you're in seems to be what they're trying to do. Because yeah, usually I think 
at that at three one we probably managed the game a bit more, aren't as aggressive chasing goals, but it almost felt like they were all racing to to see who was going to score as many goals as possible in this one. That's a really good observation you made as well, especially players like Diogo Diogo Jota as well, you know, who really, really needed to get goals and to see him get a couple was obviously great for him and great for the team as well. Sorry, Steve, I'm uh, cut you in there. I was going to say, apart from one goal, they would, I think most of the goals today were autopilot, right? Like we, Mm. we didn't score bar one from long possession, messing around with the ball of what we've been terrible at this season. We scored most of our goals because we got the, ball and broke quickly and did all the things that we were good at for years and years and the players were just on autopilot mm. like you know we'll, we'll go into it right but Robbo the one that Robbo sets up is a Robbo assist the, the thing that we loved him for for years right so if we can hit autopilot like that today let's hope we can start doing it more often Absolutely. And you know what? Whilst we're here, let's just quickly go to the beginning. And Steve, I'll stick with you. Team lineup. So what did you make of the team lineup? Unchanged from the Arsenal starting lineup. Was it what you expected? There were some great names back on the bench as well, seeing, you know, Diaz's name there and, and obviously I met Thiago again on the bench as well. I mean, what did you make of the starting lineup? Were you concerned? Were you apprehensive given the fact that the Reds are not have not been brilliant away from home, let's just be honest. It was pretty much what I expected. I thought that um, mm. Diaz might come in because Jota just hasn't hadn't scored for about ten years yeah. until tonight. <laughs> but apart from that, it was pretty much what I expected it to be. So, uh, and the, the, the the main things were seeing that Nunes and uh, Diaz and Thiago were all on the bench, like just seeing the names there and Jones getting a bit of a run. I know I gave him a bit of stick on here, but seeing Jones get a bit of a run was a Pleasant surprise as well. So, yeah, it was mostly what you'd want to see at, the, at this point of the season. So, it was, I guess, when, this evening when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that's fine because I thought it was just going to be a dreary evening. So, I'm glad that it wasn't. <laughs> Absolutely. It could not agree more. And uh, Tadiva coming to you with the starting lineup. I mean, how, how, did you, how, how did you feel about the starting lineup? Yeah, I saw it quite late actually, but um, when when I did get around to looking at it, I I was okay with it. I don't think there was too much he could have done in terms of players coming back from injury. Don't necessarily want to start them unless you have to. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to see the likes of. Um, oh, I've gone blank now. <laughs> Lewis Diaz, uh, and Darwin Nunes. He's also coming back from sort of niggles and injuries. So I wasn't expecting them to start, but give them a couple of minutes to continue to get the, the minutes in their legs would have been fine in the second half. And then I thought with the lineup that we had, if we can just stay in the game until 60th, 70th minute, then we've got enough firepower coming off the bench where we should be able to see it out, but it, it turned out that we didn't need it in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the starting lineup, and I wasn't overly surprised. I was, I was great to see some of those names on the bench. I think I was at that stage where I just think, you know what, I can't be angry all the time. I can't be concerned about the starting lineup. I think Jota's name was obviously the one that a lot of people were like, hmm, really, okay, and 
I think it is about managing minutes. And I think with as well, um, I'm going to be real with you. When the team lineups were announced, I was fasting. So I was just like, I'm not going to waste my energy on this. Just let them go out and let's see what they do. So, um, Kadiva, I'll stick with you. So, um, what did you make of the Reds? Um, I mean, before the goals happened, I mean, let's just talk about the first half uh, just in general, because I found that it looked like Liverpool had a lot of possession. They they had the ball well. I thought Leeds were trying to set up to be quite aggressive, but defensive they've set up quite well. I think you know all the way up until obviously we we break the we we break um uh, the, the deadlock with Cody Gakpo and um, there was even a shot on target. But it felt like Liverpool were keeping the ball but not doing much with it in the final third. And that seems to have been something that's been in our game for a while now. Where usually when teams have as much possession as we tend to have in these games they at least pepper the goal or make the keeper make a couple of saves and you know keep him honest but it seems in games we yes we're passing it side to side we're we're moving the ball around trying to move the defense but it doesn't lead to a lot of efforts especially efforts on target that force the keeper into you know testing saves so that was probably the biggest frustration for me was what well, it may have well been you know Allison in in terms of Allison wasn't busy in that half, neither was Millier. Like n- no one was busy in that half um, at the beginning in terms of goalkeepers. Yet we had so much of the ball. Um, but it, I think the thing that stood out the most for me was how much Trent had freedom to sort of roam mm. from that right back position. It seems to be more and more becoming the norm uh, for him to just move around the pitch and try and get on the ball as often as possible. And he's the one that would be pulling the strings to to break down defences. I'll be interested to see if it stays the same once Thiago's fit and, and starting games, if, if Trent is still the focal point in that perspective. But yeah, definitely noticeable that he's now sort of the quarterback of the team and he, he's allowed to roam from his position and we just have to make sure we're covering for him when, when he does roam. Absolutely, and we'll we'll get to his position um uh, as as we start talking about the goals. But yeah, and I'm gonna come to you, Steve, because it looked like a really like despite us having the ball, and you you did messages in in our WhatsApp group, and I think the only shot on target was Rodrigo um in the first half before the Cody Gakpo goal. But um, it, we had a lot of ball, but it wasn't fun. No, I mean I think what was about half an hour in, I can I compared our front line to a eunuch because we were looking so just blunt. Um but that's like the first half an hour, wasn't it? It was just a bit it's it's how we've been a lot of this season. Just we had the ball and couldn't really do much with it. Give it to each other, not look particularly threatening, not a lot was going on. I think we had like said think we think we had one shot which was highly unmemorable. Um, and I was just like, oh, great, like, I'm staying up for this. But then things, you know, finally, we stopped trying to be a possession team. I don't know why we keep trying to be a possession team. We're not a possession team. And once we went back onto autopilot and stopped thinking, it was a really enjoyable 60 minutes after that. It really was. And I'll stick with you, Steve. So let's talk about the first goal. So obviously the first goal comes and... um I absolutely love it because, um, uh, first of all, it's really great to see Cody Gakpo score. And I was really interested with his position as well because I felt like he was really operating from deep. I felt like a lot of the strikers were as well. I felt like they were kind of trying to overpack and overload the defence. 
in the, sorry the midfield and I felt like Cody Gakpo was really operating from deep so you know to see, and I, sometimes I did get a little bit worried about him because it is a new position that we're trying to get him to do like a Roberto Firmino-esque kind of role and I thought will he get lost in this will he lose his attacking prowess if we push him too deep and obviously he was picking the ball up quite deep but that goal that he scored I mean what's your thoughts on Trent Alexander-Arnold's handball that's the verdict I want to get first because I'm going to be honest I'm a little but to me that's handball I'm just going to say it am I allowed to just say I just don't care yes you can you can I just don't care it wasn't wasn't (laughs) given it it, I, I maybe that's the effect of the season maybe Tad can be a bit more cheerful but I was just like I don't care we've scored a goal it happened about 20 minutes ago Mm. like they've changed the rules (laughs) surely this surely this um, can't be it is a handball but it isn't in the rules and I was I just if we don't get it it'll just sum up the season and if we do get it it'll be like thank god we got something a decision for a change but um the best bit was Trent Alexander-Arnold was at the byline mm. doing yeah, that thing that he used to be really good at, which was like getting into the box and like crossing the ball and like running and looking like he gave a shit and having energy and not having to worry about was anyone fitting in at right back because Matip Mark II was at right back in that sort of back three shape that we kept dropping into. So the exciting thing was seeing Trent have... I don't know if freedom's the right word, but the, the the desire to set the goal up. Yeah. And it looked like he was playing his natural kind of role, right, where it, it was almost like carefree. He was only focused on doing the one thing, which is obviously being an assist machine. And if you can, can get the best out of Trent, you'll probably get the best out of the attackers because... I think a lot of the times they rely heavily on on his um on his um delivery, don't they, Tad? I mean, yeah. I, I, Tad, I'm going to come to you on this now. I want to get your thoughts on the goal. I mean, Steve's right. Who cares, really, in the grand scheme of things? But the only thing that I always find myself frustrated is the fact that I just don't understand the rules anymore. And I think that's where I'm. I'm just a bit concerned about. Well, okay, so now it's not. But to me, that used to be a handball. And I'm at that stage where I'm watching football and I don't think I understand the rules. It's it's so difficult to follow. And if that exact same situation happens 10 times, we're probably going to get, you know, half the time they're going to say it's handball, half the time they're going to say it's not. I genuinely don't know if there is a hard, fast rule for that. The commentator tried to explain it by saying it was too far removed from when the goal went in for for yeah. VAR to intervene. But I'm pretty sure there have been times this season, and, and I'm sure we'll still have some times this season, where that exact same thing is going to happen and it's going to be ruled out. I'm just happy we were on the positive side of, of, the, of that. Um, yeah, it, the inconsistency is, is insane at the moment. I still am an avid fan of VAR. VAR. I've always said... VAR isn't the issue, but the implementation of it and the way the referees have used it and the people that are using it yes. aren't at the level that's required. But in terms of the actual, you know, assisted technology, monitoring yeah. and technology and stuff like that, it works in every other sport. <laughs> it can't just be football that it doesn't work in. And the, if you look at the reasons why it's not working, it's more to do with personnel than the actual technology itself. But yeah, for once, um, it, well, every team thinks that VAR is against them, but it really felt like Liverpool were unlucky with VAR this season. So it was good to see for once that it was in our favour. 
And what did you make of like Cody Gakpo just kind of getting the goal there as well? And like, um, it looked like Liverpool, like it was like the, basically the first shot on goal and being clinical because I think in the past, one of the things that I've always kind of been angry about Liverpool is the fact that being quite wasteful, you know, towards the end of last season, beginning of this season as well. The fact that, you know, you get a chance and you take it and the way it was worked. And Steve mentioned there about how much he enjoyed um, Trent's involvement in the goal um, you know, the entire build-up of the goal. And obviously you were speaking about Trent as a quarterback as well. I mean, just the freedom of, of the guy. It's nice to see. Yeah, and Steve also mentioned his appetite in this game. Yes. He looked like he he had been given a license to say, just go and be Trent. Don't worry about if you're leaving gaps or anything. We've got people that are going to cover it. So he 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 looked like he was just enjoying his football. He didn't have to focus too much on tactical instruction, so to speak, from the defensive perspective, because I think that the team's shape and setup was good enough to to cover that. Um, it would have been interesting if Notter had started, if that same approach would have happened, because he seems to be uh, the focal point for Leeds when he was fit, and it obviously he would have been playing on Trent's side. But um, in terms of him bombing forward, the, the interesting thing for me, and it's something that I'm going to look back on, is... When the ball was on the right-hand side, um, Gakpo was running into the, I call it the chicken box, that six-yard box or the mm-hmm. chocolate box. But then when it was on the left-hand side, he was cutting back. So you try and make the run and then stop. Um, and you can see the two goals that he scored, the, the one with Trent on the right-hand side. He's running towards, you know, the box and it's a tap-in. Whereas with the Robertson one, he starts the run, then he stops at the edge of the box. You can see Robertson knows he's going to stop. So he cuts it back. He doesn't play it into that corridor of uncertainty. So I'm interested to see if that's something that they've been working on, depending on which side the ball's coming from, whether he's running into the box or stopping at at the edge of the box. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Did I feel like it felt like a bit of a peak Bobby goal, minus the fact Bobby would have done no luck. Like, it was a tapping <laughs> from a great form. But it was like, how, how many no-look tappings did we see from Bobby because Trent or um, Robbo had across, across the box to nobody? Like, I, we referenced it before, but he was playing that sort of deep, not even a false nine. He was playing as a 10 with two wide forwards ahead of him who had the freedom to... It was more like he had the freedom to burst into the box than he was a forward who was dropping deep because he was playing so deep. But there were points... Some of the best Bobby football we saw was when he was basically playing as a 10 with two very wide centre-forwards ahead of him in Mo and Mane. So <clears throat> it did feel, as I said, apart from the fact that he needed to look away, that was a proper... It did feel like a goal that we've seen lots of them and we've usually laughed at them because they've had that extra little moment of stupidness. But 
Uh, it was, yeah, as I said, it felt like an autopilot. It felt like a, a clock Liverpool goal the way we used to be good. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Lubo's just coming in into the, the Discord chat here and he goes, not sure possession was Liverpool's problem today. Just look at It just took time to break down a low block. Yeah, they were defensively very well set up and he's put up some stats here at um, Leeds versus Liverpool. Um, expected um, uh, XG, um, uh, theirs was 1.34 versus our 2.47. Expected assist, ours was 1.93 to theirs 0.60. Ball possession, 26 to them um, at 74 for us. Yeah, I think once we just kind of geared in, it felt like every shot on target was a goal for us. I mean, I'm going to stick with you to Diva. So we, we get a goal and we reply instantly. I think it took like three minutes for Mo Salah to get a goal. Again, another well-worked goal. I mean, you know, Jota doing absolutely wonderful stuff by winning the ball. That's one thing I really liked as well. There was that desire and grit and eagerness to kind of win the ball, to press and then to go on the half turn, go on the counter. And for me, what I loved was um, Mo Salah's movement in that as well for him to get that goal because I felt like the finishing was pretty much elite today. It felt like it was meant and it was intent. It was it had intent and it was purposeful. It really was. Um, yeah, the appetite of Jota, fantastic. Mm. Him running with the ball. Um, it It was really good forward play because if you look... Gakpo continues running straight, which occupies um, their left back because uh, Gakpo ends up on the right-hand side. And it's basically a three-on-three situ- situation where Salah's the one that's key in that movement because when it's three-on-three, it's easy for them to just each mark their own person. But Salah runs from center to out wide, which forces Leeds' defenders to make a decision are we switching or are we sticking with our man? And in that split second is when Jota plays the through ball. And obviously the finish from Salah was really, really good um, near post. I think uh, the keeper tried to cheat a little bit by hopping towards um, the far post at the last second. And then Salah just, maybe Salah gave him the eyes, but I, I, I didn't see a, a, a close enough um, replay of, of, you know, if he looked towards the far post before he shot. But yeah, smart to to hit it near post, high enough for the keeper not be able to get it. Fantastic movement, fantastic goal, fantastic finish, absolute joy. And to then go 2-0 up going into half time was so crucial because you're playing away from home. You don't want to give them a chance to get back into the game. Um obviously we'll speak about that a bit uh soon. But at that point in time, at 2-0, you're thinking, right, we're coasting to a to a win here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, before I go to Steve and get his thoughts on Mosla's goal, um, a comment from Nigel here in Discord. Klopp said that I'm guessing it was post-match because obviously we come straight here. We counter-pressed in this game better than we had done for months. Um, he also said our energy and intensity was there all game, all the way to the 94th minute. I would pretty much have to agree with him. I think when everything's on your side as well, I think it just kind of pushes you to be that kind of team. It was a really, really good, good team performance. I very much enjoyed watching that. Steve, over to you. Second goal, what did you make of it? Jota's involvement as well. He wasn't getting the goals till that point, but he was got an assist for Mo Salah, picked up Mo Salah's excellent run and intelligence to move away from the defender, but your thoughts on the goal? Again, like I alluded to, I think this description is going to come up a lot tonight. It was a proper clock Liverpool goal, right? It was mm. pressing. It was making the right pass very quickly. It was hitting them 
wasn't even on the break or it wasn't even transition was it it was just a one-two punch of yeah. win the ball ball through and a proper Mo Salah leffer smash it in no messing around doesn't even have to look he knows where the goal is because I think you're right Tano. I don't think he looks I think he just knows where he's shooting because he's Mo off his left peg it was just beautiful it was perfect it was a perfect Mo goal it was, and it was great to go in 2-0. Um, uh, it was, you know, exactly the kind of cushion that you need. You know, Liverpool kind of, you know, deserved to be 2-0 up with all the possession and all the ball that they had as well. And obviously we'll talk about certain players as well. Um, and Steve, I'm going to stick with you because something that Liverpool are really guilty of is coming out for the second half and being there physically but not mentally being there or maybe not being there physically as well but um, to concede a goal within two minutes in, in that brain fart moment and Ibu of all players as well who was absolutely magnificent for us um, uh, you know he did really well in, in this game in the first half with him of Virgil van Dijk and also probably our best player against Arsenal but to see him have a bit of a wobbler there, you know, um, almost like, ooh, um, uh, let's make it a little hard for ourselves. I mean, wh- what did you make? Wh- how were you feeling when it went to one? Were you just like, oh gosh, here we go again? Familiarity? I can't remember if I was talking about this on WhatsApp or Discord, but um, it feels like our centre backs are all Stefan Henshaw. Like, we used to sing a team of characters. We've now got a team, we've got a bunch of centre backs that had like mad Swissmen. All of them. They've all they've all turned into Stefan Hanshaw at once, haven't they? It was mental. Like what are you doing? You're supposed to be the heir to Van Dyke's throne and you're just it just just brain dead. It was an absolute brain fart. I just I I do worry though that Ibu's got all of the physical traits and he's got all the technical traits, but his concentration again caught him out again today. It was just stupid. I think I texted and said, we've got, he's turning into Matip because Matip's done mad stuff like that. And it was so avoidable. He had plenty of time just to get rid of the ball or pass it to somebody. I don't know. I, I don't know. It was just stupid. But it was really this season. It wasn't it. Like, it was a such a Liverpool conceding from defenders yeah, not thinking and, yeah. and just... Not thinking, overthinking, there was some sort of brain not working moment. Start messing around. <laughs> Get rid of the fucking ball. Players coming near you. I don't know. Yeah, I think for me, Tad, the, all, the concerning thing about those kind of moments are is the fact that they happen right after half time. I mean, like Jurgen Klopp's literally just spoken to you. You're 2 0 up. He's probably saying much same of, you know, the stuff that you're producing. And then for us to kind of just. You know, in other circumstances, we, we, we lose our edge on the game there. Uh, luckily, it didn't happen today. But, you know, these moments really do need to be fixed and ironed out. I don't know what's happening there. And to see players like Ibu do it as well is, is actually quite shocking. And it happens every game, doesn't it? Mm, it's, not like, it. It's, it, it's not like, oh, God, he's had a wallop. It doesn't matter. It was the, that was a, that was a Liverpool concede a goal this season because our defenders have just been so beyond their normal mental capabilities it was just yeah. it wasn't even frustrating it was familiar <laughs> very familiar this is it very on brand for the season I mean Tad what did you make of it all and how did you yeah. feel when we conceded <laughs> um yeah the the team talk just goes out the window at that point all those 15 minutes that Klopp has spent um instructing them it's, you just you just have to reset now um 
earlier in the first half, he did make a couple of sloppy passes, one that nearly led to them countering as well. Uh, so it is something that has gotten into his game that he needs to eradicate as quickly as possible because it's fine at the moment when we're not playing for anything, but doing stuff like that when you're going for trophies and you can't afford to do that. And as, as Steve says, he's got everything on paper to, to, to take over from Virgil van Dijk. Um, physicality, um, technique, everything is there, but it's now the mental side of the game that needs to catch up to everything else. And that's probably what separates the greats is those little things. You know, we, we mentioned with Allison, for example, Allison could do nothing all game and then pull off a world-class save at the end of the game without having had to make a save to, to sort of warm up or get his eye in because he's just that good. Or if he makes a mistake, you won't see him make a mistake for another two or three games at least. Ibu, it seems like every now and then he has that clumsy in him that he needs to eradicate. And if, if he is to go to that next level that many people are hoping and expecting him to get to, that's probably the thing he needs to focus on now is can he be consistent? Can he focus on those little details of, you know, just give a crisp pass or, or be quick with your passing. Don't get, don't get caught dawdling on the board. These are the things that separate the world-class players from the not so world-class players. But um yeah, in terms of momentum, worst thing you can do, the crowd's out of it at two nil. They're, they're, you know, it's a Monday night. They're thinking of, Oh, I have to go into work tomorrow. We're not playing well, et cetera, et cetera. Don't give them an excuse to get involved in the game. And that's exactly what he did. All of a sudden, their fans are singing. All of a sudden, their players are pressing that, you know, 10% extra than what they were doing before. And it just creates this environment that you don't need when you were so comfortable um, in terms of the game. Yeah, it was four minutes of turbulence. And, you know, Ellen Road, we know what Leeds fans are like. They are loud, they're passionate. You know, you don't want to wake them up as well. And, you know, for four minutes, it did feel very nervy. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, here we go again. But to Diva, I'll stick with you because Diogo Jota um, got, you know, got an assist for Mosla, but he, he scores and kind of puts a bit of breathing space between us. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on on that goal. And again, well worked and out. And, you know, Jones gets an assist there and I thought he had we've been seeing a bit of Jones now and I've never ever really known what kind of player he is or how he plays or we've just not seen much much of him for me to give a a very very definite answer on whether he'll make it or not but it's really great to see him getting the games and you know now he is finally getting the games but he actually I thought he had a decent game I thought he was very much involved. I felt like he was tidy on the ball. I felt like he was trying to get in on the creative side of things and it's really good for him to get an assist. Yeah, really, really good. Probably for me, probably his most mature performance that I've seen him play for Liverpool. He, he seemed in control of everything that he was doing. He knew what he was doing from a tactical side of things, from a technique side of things, which was really fun to see. Um, when the season kind of started deteriorating, um, after the World Cup, one of the first things I was saying was, can we give Curtis Jones a run of games so we can actually decide is this a player we're keeping at the club? I, I'm assuming we weren't going to sell him because, you know, homegrown player, um, not just homegrown in terms of England, but homegrown in terms of trained by the club. Um, those are valuable, you know, players to have. If, if he ends up being a squad player, that's fine. Um, but is he a player that we're going to keep around with the squad next season? Or is he a player that we think needs to go out on loan for a season? 
we're only going to really find that out if he gets a run of games and we see if he can play with the starting players. So I was, I kept banging on about, let's just give him a run of games and see. Unfortunately, it took injuries for that, for that to happen for him, um, injuries to other players, but I, I think he's held his own. Um, obviously when he first came in, he had that youthful exuberance, the freedom to play without too many tactical instructions. Um, and we saw sort of the more attacking creative side of him. Then they started, you know, putting in a lot more emphasis on the tactical side of things. Then he started playing sort of the Gini Wijnaldum role where he wasn't as attacking. Uh, and people started, you know, criticizing why the attacking side of things had dropped. But I think hopefully now he's starting to blend that together, the knowing my tactical role and still being able to perform because that's effectively what all these players are, you know, in the Premier League level certainly are, are being judged on is we all know you're talented footballers, even the ones that we all think are shit. They're actually really talented footballers. But can you still be a talented footballer within the bracket of executing the tactics that your manager is asking you to execute? That's the difficult thing for these players. And hopefully Curtis Jones, with these starts, with him growing confidence, with the performance he had today, he continues to grow in that thing where he gets the tactics and he's still able to be Curtis Jones within those tactics. So, yeah, I, I thought he had a fantastic game. As I said, probably his most mature performance of, 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 of his Liverpool career. In terms of the goal itself, um, it's a goal from a corner. So I don't know if that counts, uh, in terms of the, 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 the throw in coach. Does he take that one or does he get a bonus for that? But, um, it was interesting because when Jones got it, you see Salah on the right hand side and you're thinking that's the easy pass. Just play to Salah wide. It's, it's at, at that point, it's probably four on two. If you look at our players were ahead of their players. So played wide to Salah. Everyone runs into the box and Salah just has to pick up the right pass there, but he goes for the more audacious pass. And it was just beautiful. If if you get a chance to watch it back, you can see him fall away from the pass, which is something we see Tiago do quite often, where you pass and you carry on sort of running sideways towards how you've passed the ball, which helps arc the ball a little bit. Um, perfectly into Shota's path. Great finish from Shota. Uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful goal. Yeah, Steve, I, I like this goal for, first of all, Jota getting a goal and it's been a year, so it's good that that drought was over. And also seeing Emma Jones's inclusion to this Liverpool side bear some kind of fruition for me. Yeah, I think this new tactical shape that we're, we're doing, right, we're in possession where Trent becomes more of a... Trent's not really playing as a full-back, right? He's playing as a second six who then mm-hmm. drops back into right-back. Yes. When we lose the ball. But when we have the ball, he's then creating a box midfield with Fab and today it was with Curtis and Hendo. And I think that box midfield is really suiting Curtis because I don't think he's an eight. You've all heard my opinion on him before. But um, in this more attacking role, it suits him. I'm sure Lubo will tell us all about this, but he used to, he was much more of a attacking midfield of 10, sort of sometimes playing off the left forward when he was when he was coming through the you set up into the first team. So playing with his head up and the forwards ahead of him and not that sort of he was tactically aware but not having that having to be dropping back to be one of the two sort of Hello, I'm here to annoy you. 
I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Shape give, seems to have suited the best we want to see out of him because he has got the tactical discipline to be that sort of Wijnaldum-esque control room, but further up the field than he used to be when we needed him to. But also it meant that when he had two effectively sixes behind him and the ball comes into his feet and he's got Jota and Mo, who have both got sort of, they've both got wonderful awareness of their sort of positioning and movement on the pitch, right? So you had two great options. And yes, even the commentary said, like, Mo's the easy ball, but that was a wonderful, wonderful pass. And that's the kind of things that we thought we'd see from him two, three years ago, right? So hopefully this shape will really suit Curtis. Hopefully it'll really suit the kids as well in um, Elliot and Fabio. So yeah, it was a, it was a, almost like a little mini moment of if this is where we're going with the, with the Robbo being a Suedo centre back, left back, and Trent being a defensive midfielder, midfielder who also plays as a you know drops into fullback, and then we're pushing two of our eights much further up the pitch. How it's going to affect us because. We've got players with the talent to play those to, to make those passes. We've got players with the talent for that movement, and it was a really good, you know, the, the sort of thing we all thought we'd be seeing this season from a, quite a few of those players. And Jota just needed that goal. Like the assist for Mo showed that he was starting to get into the game, and wonderful goal, wonderful pass, wonderful finish, great moment for both of those players. Something we all needed to see. And at three-one, the game felt suddenly it felt dead. Like. The first half, we'd scored two goals, but it didn't really feel like much happened. They scored, and it's like, oh, God, are we going to do what we always do? But once yeah. we scored the third goal, it was like, no, this is over. Because, yeah, and it- because it felt like every time we counter-attack, it'll be like, they need to, they, they've got to show some something in this game because of where they are in the league, right? And, and how bad they were at the weekend. Sorry, not at the weekend, in their last game. It, like, if we counter again, we're going to score. That's how it felt from that point onwards. So it was good, really good. Yeah, I mean, I've got the stats here from FootMob and um, they they have us for seven shots on target and the fact that we scored six goals um, just speaks volumes. Like, it looked like everything that we were kind of shooting, we were, we were pulling off. Steve, I'm going to stick with you because Mo Salah then makes it, it puts even more distance between us. It's 4-1. Cody Gakpo, you know, sets him up. How impressed have you been with the front lineup? Um, in terms of it, obviously when we bought obviously players like Cody Gakpo in, Diaz got injured, and you know these things happened. And Nunes, obviously a new player as well, bought him in the beginning of the season. It looked like quite a mishmash, and it looked it, it looked like it might take time for these players to settle in. Obviously, Mo Salah was hogging the touchline as well. But what are you making of what you're seeing of these front three now? Like the fact that they're finding each other and they're getting assists for each other. 
Yeah, I think it's more than all three, right? Because Nunes yeah. came on and got a good goal. I think it's the forward, yeah. the, the forward group is starting to function again. Yes. Like they're starting to find their marriage out. Like the first season we had Klopp, we didn't instantly have everything working the way it's working. Um, Gakpo's looks like like we've it, it, we, we shouldn't really call it the Bobby role because it feels like he's playing more of a ten. But Gakpo seems to be starting to get his role where he's playing much deeper and. Maybe he's not a linking player, but he's 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 giving us the ability to then push Jota and Mo right on the shoulder defenders. And there's nothing more exciting than watching Mo bursting through and through and scoring goals. Right. So I think the chemistry is coming. I think the shape. I think this 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 having a box midfield and a front three like just gives us so much tactical versatility getting forward. Um, and it's it's Mo, right? How many goal of how many goal involvements is he on now? What, 36, 37? Or have I got it wrong? Is it 35? But it's well into the 30s, isn't it? Goal involvements this season. And he just keeps on going. He beat, you know, he's now surpassed Fowler by two goals in the Premier League. Like, if you feed him, he will score. It's that simple. Just keep feeding Mo. He will score. He's starting to look sharp. We, I know he, he didn't look the best after, after the World Cup. He's starting to look sharp again. He's starting to look free. He doesn't look like... There were moments this season where he hasn't looked com- confident, has he? But today he looked like that moment where he just doesn't even need to look up and his left foot is just absolutely wonderful again. Um, and to see that he's thinking with Gakpo and Gakpo was quite selfless. Uh, but that's what we saw from Bobby, right? Yeah. How many times did we all scream and shout because Bobby should have shot, but he got an assist? But he always got an assist. And I used to be, I used to get so many fancy football points because of Bobby. Um, and Gakpo seems to, you know, he seems to have that, in, that intelligence we want. He might not have like all of the flair of Bobby, but he had the intelligence to make the right choice. And it's what we want to see from them all. So, you know, we've seen Jota linking up with Mo. Now we've seen Gakpo linking up with Mo. You know, it's what, it's what we want to see from all of them. And we saw you know, the classic, the classic trend. Sister Gapo, like they're all doing the things that we want to see from how the cop teams that have been good have been built. Um, so it's a really, just a really, from a functional perspective, a really enjoyable goal. Plus, it was a nice, quick, you know, effective, efficient, no messing around goal is what we want to see. Absolutely, absolutely. And and Tad, um, just to bring you in there, I think Steve's like hit the nail on the head. Players just functioning to their best, allowed to do what they're really, really good at. And Mo Salah, you know, and rightly so, Steve saying he's not been the best at the World Cup. And I think we can all say that. I mean, I don't think Mo Salah's actually pretty much been his usual Mo Salah best since, um, I'd say, the AFCON. But, you know, the fact that he's had all those involvements in this season, and it, by no stretch of the imagination has this been a good season for him. He'll, he'll be the first to tell you that. But, I mean, how clinical he is in front of goal. And, you know, he scored that goal with, you know, such confidence and right after one of his got ch- one of his goals got chalked for offside because Virgil van Dijk was um, in an offside position for um, a, a Trent free kick so the fact that he looked very very much up for it um, which was probably stark difference to um, maybe his overall performance um, against Arsenal where you know I felt like his head kind of dropped after the penalty um, miss and then he looked a bit more up for it in the dying minutes but today he looked like he was very hungry from the get-go and I wonder if it was all to, you know, all, you know, or one of the factors is 
the way we were going to be playing today. He knew, okay, Trent's going to have a lot of the ball. Trent usually finds me. We know Robertson's going to make the runs. Gakpo's going to drop deep. I'm going to have opportunities to score here. So maybe it's one of those he went into knowing, okay, this is going to be a good game for me. Because usually with, with players, you know, if you speak to them during the week, there's some weeks where they're like, oh yeah, this week I'm getting a hat trick and they just know it. And there are other weeks where maybe they're not as confident. It looked like he, he felt he was going to get a hat trick in this game. Um, but for me, I think the hero of this goal is Robbo. Um, cause obviously Jota dropping back wins the ball. Robbo takes it from there and he drives forward, cuts inside. Passes the ball to Jota, who's now overlapped and gone over on the left. And the important thing here is, I guess, what we always tell young budding footballers is follow your pass. So Robertson plays it to Jota out wide and carries on running forward. And then the just audacity to know, and I don't know if this is uh, scouting a player or what, but the moment he saw who was in front of him, he, you could tell he thought, oh, I can run faster than this player. So he just kicks it like 200 yards forward and just runs into the space that's in behind because he knows the person's not going to be able to catch him. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, um, he knew that Gakpo was going to cut back. He wasn't going to run into the box. So he was already playing that ball, cutting it back. Gakpo selfless to play it to 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 Salah but as as has been mentioned that's something we've seen from Firmino in the past he really does have a high football IQ I think um Gakpo he he seems to be a really really smart player and we've seen those characteristics in Firmino um especially at at his peak times playing that false nine we're starting to see the same things from Gakbo. Yes, he might not know all the pressing, when to do it, and, and, and other factors, but you can see he's smart enough to be able to apply himself. And, and, and when he gets the ball, when he gets into opportunities, most of the time, he's making the right decision. He's making the right pass or deciding to shoot or driving with the ball. It, he could be really key moving forward. I guess the only awkward thing is, how do you fit him and Darwin Nunes into a team or does Darwin Nunes now just become a winger? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but yeah, I think that's probably the only headache that that's going to be quite interesting to follow going forward. How, how Klopp figures everything out. Hopefully we're going to be contending for a lot more things next season. And maybe it's the key of having the luxury of rotating all your elite players around. And, you know, um, uh, getting them maximum game time and also maintaining their fitness as well. So none of them get injured as well because you don't want to run these players into the ground as well. So it'll be, uh, I agree, it's a good conundrum to have. I mean, sticking with you to Diva, before we get to the next goal, um, uh, one thing that kind of really impressed me with the overall Liverpool performance as well was the fact that I, I think it was what Nigel mentioned in, in Jurgen Klopp's um, uh, conversation there, you know, our energy and intensity. I love the fact that we were like trying to win every second ball. You know, everything kept coming to us. Um, and it just felt like, like Steve said, it felt like we were playing a Jurgen, it was a Jurgen Klopp-esque performance. And I think that's the positive I take from this. Like the positives I take from the Arsenal game was the fact that Liverpool showed up with some go- great gut and desire. And I think if there's no desire, no matter how great your team is, you will not get the result. 
you know there's only so much that you can do if the other team's more hungry than you you will fall flat and it has happened all season for us but today it felt like there was desire as well as wanting actually wanting to be clinical and wanting to actually um for a better word to absolutely um uh, you know stuff your opposition yeah, it was good to see the appetite from the players because, and it's, it's one of the things I've been very critical of the entire season is they've looked like a team that knows they don't have enough to win anything. Um, but in this game, you couldn't, you, you couldn't fault their, their appetite. You couldn't fault their, their pressing was really good. Their desire to get the second balls, as you mentioned, was really good. Concentration levels for majority of the time was really good and high. Um, yeah, it, it's just now about, I guess the only thing you could say is, can we repeat it? Can we do it again? Mm. Is, is, is the question that we have to ask. But in terms of just isolating this game, it, it's as close, I think we've come to a Klopp team than in, in previous times. Maybe you, you, you say the Man United game as well. Um, that was high scoring as well. But in terms of rolling back the years, this was one of those games this season where we looked like, a team that could do some damage next season if 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 we continue this level of performance. Absolutely, and Stephen, just stick, uh, before we get to the goals, I want to get your thoughts on this performance as well. You kind of said that this is like a Jurgen Klopp s kind of team and performance, and you know, and rightly so. I think you're absolutely spot on. Usually, when Liverpool have a big break from games, I always like obviously they played on Sunday. Today's a Monday, so they've had like eight days worth of break. And usually that doesn't suit Liverpool well, but do you feel like it's been beneficial for them in this instance, trying to learn like a new kind of formation or how they've been setting up differently? It's really, really refreshing to see Jurgen Klopp actually acknowledge that something's not been going quite right and using that time away to kind of, I don't know, address the situation with the current players and crop of players that he has. I, I'm starting to think the way we set up today and against Arsenal, which haven't really seen but the way we set up today is what the plan was at the start of the season because if you look at um off so if you start the front start from the front right off the ball Jota and Murrow playing as the th- the two wide players for the three so defensively they're covering the fullbacks they're doing what they're supposed to do um Murrow is one of the most underrated defenders in our team so I'll argue that with anybody uh, and Sai will definitely back that up right he's one of the most underrated defenders on our team he does all the work but as soon as we get the ball into possession, it's like we've got two centre forwards playing on the shoulder of playing of the opposition, and the person who was the focal point has dropped into that sort of playmaking, intelligent positions. The things that we knew Bobby was good at, and the things that maybe Gakpo is the replacement. And uh, I think that suits definitely suits Mo and Jota, and I think it's going to suit Diaz. We're going to not not Diaz Darwin. We're coming to Starmer later. But when we signed Darwin, you know, even like Dave Hendrick was like, maybe we need to play him and Murray's centre-forwards. But in possession, that's what they did today. They looked like they were dropping into a shape that I feel like we tried to build this season for. And then it all just went tits up. And maybe the recent breaks we've had, you know, they've had a good training and Klopp's like, stop falling into these stupid habits. This isn't what we're doing anymore. Because we've seen Trent, like drifting inside all season, haven't they? And it's been winding us all up, drifting inside, but the word there is drifting, whereas today, tactically, it didn't drift anywhere. 
he yeah. was inside and then he dropped in and he dropped out wide or moved out wide than was appropriate. There was no more fucking... covering him because they knew that he was going to do that. Yeah, yeah, and there was no bloody drifting. Like he had a yes. job to do. He did his job. He's played alongside Fabinho and then he shot out to the right for a you know, for a, a wonderful assist where he attacked the right. He dropped back into right back position when they had the ball. So I feel like Maybe this was the shape of the plan all along, and it's just taken this long for things to start to click, be it injuries, be it a lack of desire because we kept losing games, whatever it was, be it what's going on with the coaching. But it did feel like we're starting to see the next evolution and having not won quadruple, having seen Mane go, Bobby's deterioration amongst others, we needed to see that the next, this season had to be the evolution of what we're doing next season. So hopefully this is the start of getting Jota back, getting Mo more central on the ball, more make getting the most out of our eighty million pounds centre forward. You know, maybe Gakpo will be a missing piece. Then Thiago comes in, and this box midfield should give him more protection because he's the. I know Trent's amazing, but he's the best passer in our team. You know, um, so it did feel like we're starting to see like maybe the building bricks finally got put in the right place together at the right time. But they got their fucking Lego book for a week and actually looked at it and followed the instructions for a change rather than spit all the bricks off the floor and try to make something. Because that's how it's felt it's been all season. I'm loving the analogy, Steve. I'm absolutely loving the analogy. So, okay, so it goes, it goes by one Jota gets another goal. Um, Jordan Henderson assist. And again, I thought the ball was worked really well, really, really well worked team goal this one. Yeah, and it was a proper rubbish Jordan Henderson assist, wasn't it? You know, <laughs> he just like, proper, like he scoops the ball. Mo leans back because he's like, if this hits me, it's going to hit me in the back of the head. So Mo almost gets the assist. Like, like if, it, if it clips him, he gets the assist technically. Right? But Mo leans back and Jota scuffs it. And I was, there's nothing more wonderful when you're spanking somebody than an absolutely rubbish goal. Because it wasn't, it wasn't rubbish, but it was. Do you know what I mean? Like the pass yeah, the, the, wasn't the great, it, and just yeah. happened to get to him. Yeah, and then he mishit it, and it happened to hit the post and go in. It was, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, really good stuff. I mean, Tad, have you got anything to add to that? Because we we did move the ball, but I think Steve's just made me laugh there by saying that it was such a bad assistant just for a jotter to kind of like scuff it and hit the post and it's going. That's the thing with goals, isn't it? You 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 failed to score in a year. Obviously, he didn't get to get on the pitch for a, a few of those months. But you you don't get to score a goal. You know he's probably hit the ball ten times cleaner than that and not scored at times. Yeah. And then he he hits it like that, swings his foot at it, and and it goes in. The the only really good thing in terms of obviously, I don't think he it, he connects it the way he intended to. Um, maybe he did, but I'm not sure. But in terms of his patience to wait for the ball to start to fall down before he hits it, whereas usually you see people hit that slightly too early and it's going into Rosette. So at least from the technique perspective, he waited as long as he possibly could for the ball to start falling, which means it's more than likely that you're going to be able to to keep it on target. And I guess it's that old saying of if if, if you don't buy a ticket, you're not going to win the lottery. Um, I can say that both for Henderson's cross and for Jota's shot because I don't know how much either of them intended that goal to happen the way it did. 
Yeah, we'll take that all day long. And Ted, I'll stick with you because um, it was nice. Um, I thought the game was going so well. And then Jurgen Klopp, you know, he, he had a luxury of bringing on certain players. And it was nice that they, they weren't required to have like a massive impact on the game. Like just go out and just get some fitness. And of course, we Firmino, Milner, Nunes and Diaz come on for Gakpo, Salah, Hendo, Jota and, and Fabinho. And, um, you know, I thought that was really nice. The fact that, you know, I, I think my biggest fear would have been in this game would have been like to kind of be in a situation where those subs would be required a little bit sooner than what would be required and asking them to have some kind of input. So it was nice to see those players come on and, you know, they were just basically coming in into a very, very comfortable situation. Certainly players like um, uh, Luis Diaz, you know, who's literally just come back. And he looks like he's been hitting the gym as well, by the way. He looks a little bit, a little bit leaner than what he usually, what he was. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or Go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. We lost Tad there, I can't hear him. Classic on mute. Um, sorry about that. It has to happen. Um, <laughs> it has to happen. Don't worry. No, I was, I was just saying um, it will be interesting to see if he keeps that physique going forward. The more minutes he gets, um, sometimes obviously the physique then changes if you're now playing regularly, opposed to if for six months he hasn't really had a lot of 90-minute games. Um, yeah, it was good for them to be able to come on without the pressure, which opens up the opportunities for them to try things that they maybe wouldn't try if the game is close. Um, so yeah, that, that was fun to see. And then obviously the, the, the goal from, from a substitute is, is always a good thing to see as well. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into that as well. You might as well go for it. And then um, Steve can have his say, but before I get to that, Lubo saying Milner came on to kick someone and he did that with his first touch. Well, he's a former <laughs> Leeds boy. He wouldn't have James Milner any other way, but yeah, you might as well um, lead with the goal that had, I mean, Nunes coming on, getting a goal. Um, it's just nice to see, right? Really, really nice to see. Such a clever run. It's probably my favorite run, um, in the, in the strikers union. Uh, where you stand with the fullback and one of your other players is standing with the center back. So 
that center back is looking at Gakpo the entire time and Gakpo is on his shoulder. So he turns, he sees Gakpo there. Okay. I know where Gakpo is. I can sort of feel his presence. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get caught out by him. Nunes then, as soon as that center back turns, turns around, he makes a run from where he's standing with their right back across the line in front of the right back because then he can't really do anything. And then behind the center back because he, he, He's never going to see him. There's nothing that center back can do because he's never going to see Nunes coming because his sole focus is on Gakpo. And if he was to look at uh, Nunes, he would lose track of where the ball is going. So it, it, it's such a hard, um, run to mark as if, if you're a defender. That's why I love it so much. And, you know, from a forwards perspective. And obviously you then have Trent, the quarterback with yeah. the ball, who's able to pick that pass and, and to see that run. Um, some players might not even see that run and, and, and all of a sudden we're talking about it being one of those movements that Nunes does that maybe doesn't get picked up by a teammate, but absolutely brilliant run. Chests it, gets the ball out of his feet and, and finishes, which is really good. I think once he's made the run, the, the difficult thing is after you've chested the ball is can you move it away from your body? quick enough to then open up a stride to shoot. Sometimes you see players get a bit clunky there and it takes a few touches and then defender gets to you and, and tackles you. But yeah, a really, really good goal and probably would have been spoken about more highly if we weren't like five, one up at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that goal as I, I, I love that run. So the, to me, that was the pick of the goals just because of, of that run. Yeah, again, there were so many goals that I have to go back and watch all the highlights. Because <laughs> yeah. you kind of forget the movement of what players did. And this is why I love you, Tad, because he used to do this with Roberto Firmino. He used to like analyze his game to a T when he was at his peak. So I'm definitely going to have to, everyone will do this anyway. We'll go and check them goals out again. When I was at my peak too. Uh, you, you flatter yourself. <laughs> you're, you're still, you're still, you're still on top form, my friend. Don't, don't let anyone fool you. Uh, Steve, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on the subs. Jurgen Klopp's timing of the subs and also um, uh, the Nunes goal. First of all, Bobby came on, who is our third highest goal scorer this season. Bobby came on, that's all I cared about. Um, no, I think it was uh, like it was great. To, uh, it's a shame they didn't come on a few minutes earlier to get some more minutes in the legs, but it was just great seeing Diaz get on the pitch. Great seeing Bobby getting a run, you know, Milne needed five minutes to go and kick somebody. And the management. <laughs> and you know Tiago got his five minutes, and maybe that's all we need to do with Tiago is just just give him five minutes, give him half an hour, give him an hour, just 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 slowly getting back into his rhythm. So you no, know, it was nice to see all of those players specifically get on. I know there were some other players who I love on the bench, but I think they're the ones who needed to come up. And it was good to see them on, and good to see them all get off the pitch as well in one piece. Um, I thought the goal was wonderful, you know. I'm a huge fan of Nunes. Um, and I think this is this, this is what I was trying to allude to before with maybe this was always the plan with the shape because Trent's in the sixth position. He plays one of those balls that only uh, only Thiago in our team could be the another person to play that ball, who plays that ball through the middle. And I think no, I think Nunes is the only one of our forwards who takes the ball down and spins and smashes it in the way he does. I think Mo would have done something different, but it, it, that's what I want to see Darwin doing, you know, just 
it wasn't quite chaos, but it was. I think he's a lot more technical than he's ever given credit for. I think uh, Talia, I think did a good good description of like how he brings the ball down and you know the touch he takes to control and turn and then put it in the back of the net. But I know BBC stats aren't always the best, but if you look at if these are correct as from the end of the match, you know Mo's on the goal. What? 0.65 goals per game and a goal every 138 minutes. Nunes is on 0.63 goals per game and a goal every 144 minutes. They're on 102 and 97 shots, respectively. Most shot accuracy is 55%. Darwin's shot accuracy is 56%, but their goal conversions, you know, Mo's got the better goal conversion of 25 and 15. Like, if he keeps working these numbers, he keeps matching, he's pretty much matching Mo for everything apart from goal conversions. They're going to come, like he's shown in his last two clubs. Once he knows the players and the system, and he's growing up and he's getting he's getting better, like he's going to be so dangerous when he has a functioning team around him, because his numbers are already really close to the best forward we've ever had. Like statistically, Mo is the best forward we've ever had. He's the most enjoyable one that isn't called Roberto Firmino that I've watched since. You know, I started supporting the football in the early nineties. You know, and it was it was just yeah, two of our one of our best players linking up to somebody who I think will become one of our best players and just scoring a really nice goal. Incredible stuff. Watch this space with Darwin Nunes, right, guys? I think we pretty much discussed the majority of that game and mostly the goals. And I think, as you can tell, we're all really happy with the performance results and the goals. Um. I want to get your man of the match. So, Steve, I'm going to come to you first. Like, some good performances there. A couple of players with a couple of goals. So, who's your man of the match? Uh, Mo. Nice. It's that finish, isn't it? It's the second one. I think that's the one where we believe. I like that. I like that. That's a good shout. I'm, I went a bit different. I went for Trent. I, I was going to give it to Trent today because I felt like when he clicks the front click and I thought he was very much involved and the way he had the intelligence to kind of switch through when they had the ball to move back to right back and stuff, I felt like it was a very technical and disciplined performance from him and also getting the assist. So I've gone a bit different, but Mosley is a great shout. And I am going to... Lubo wants to go Trent and, and also he wants to give a shout out to Curtis as well. I thought Curtis was probably our second best midfielder in the first half as well. So yeah, that's a good shout. Um, Tad, I'll come to you. Who's your man of the match and why? Lots to choose from. I think it's only fitting that I go with, that I'm going with someone different because there were so many people that could have gotten it. I went with uh, Jota because I thought he put a shift in defensively and Mm -hmm. still came up with, you know, goal contributions in terms of goals and and assists as well. So yeah, for me, it was Jota. Um, He was everywhere on the pitch. it's been a while since we've seen this version of Jota and maybe it's taken him a while to get, you know, back into match fitness and match sharpness. But I, I enjoyed his performance as with all the other Liverpool players. But for me, his his, his performance was the best. And isn't it that. great we can't debate it? Like, like we yeah. can't yeah. say that one of us is wrong because yeah, all three so of them were good enough. They were all good enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I also love Lubo's shout for Curtis there as well. It's good. To, and And I think... The lads echo that 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 was a really really mature performance by Curtis as well, and long may it continue because um you know 
we want to know what this play is about and want to see more of him as well. So, yeah, it's it's good that the you know the Liverpool supporters um are, are in a happy camp. Um, we we love this. Um, uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and listening, and thank you to everyone that joined us live. A massive thank you to these two excellent gents who made this pod even more enjoyable than the result, which takes some doing, but they did it. So fair play to both of them. Before I let them go, let me get some plugs. Steve, where can people find you? Um, uh, you know, I know, I know you're mostly on Discord, but um, if you just want to give people a plug um, as to what, what you're up to and things. That's it, really. It's when I come to chat to you and Guy, that's it these days. and and you know, causing trouble on Discord. I've I become an anti-social social media person. Yeah, who who lets off all his steam on Discord. So do join us on our Discord community. Steve is um a very vocal person there and hopefully we'll get him more on podcasts as well. We love speaking to Steve. Steve, thank you so much. And Tad, what about you? And I, I know you're a busy person. So any plugs from yourself and uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, social media, I'm at Tad Predicts. Um, podcasting wise, a tad predictable, a tad predictable, and a tad predictable. Um, it's on the EPL index side, so the sister or brother site of Anfield Index, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, yeah. we had a new guest on this week, uh, Davina. She did really well. Um, so I think we're going to be bringing her on board more regularly, which is always good when you, when you find a guest that, that can hold their own and is, is going to become a regular. So yeah, definitely give it a listen and let us know what you think of of her opinions on Premier League teams around well teams around the Premier League and and score predictions and the campaign to stop Guy Drinkle from winning the Banquet or Burner competition continues. Yeah, let's let's sabotage him. He's away on holiday, <laughs> but yeah, do do give Tad a follow on on Twitter and do check out Tad Predictable, and hopefully that should be out tomorrow as well. So you've got a whole week, and um, yeah, can't wait to listen. And I'm sure Davina is going to be an excellent guest for you guys going forward as well. For my part, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. There, unfortunately, there won't be an NKS post. Um, uh, Nottingham Forest, um, it's Eid. Um, I won't be able to make it, but there will be a raw podcast. I'll be back for the West Ham game though, guys. But thank you so much for listening. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that. Till next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go... We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.